Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK. I need to stop drinking while you're doing the intro. I do that every, every time. time. Every time, just chug some coffee and go. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Um, We're great. Yeah. Um. So how are you, though? I am so good. I'm getting ready for my trip to London. So... I have really nothing else to talk about. I could tell you all the things that we're going to do in London, um, but I'd rather just wait till we get back and use my trip to London as the next like five podcasts worth of information of things to tell you because nothing else good will happen. So instead, be a long episode anyway. So <laughs> right. So instead, I'm going to give you guys um, some gecko updates because, as you know, school's over and done. That means I don't have a classroom at the moment. So I had to bring Pip home. So you have a new roommate. I have a new roommate. Um, and so it was very stressful. Um, I let Pip crawl on me all the time. Like, I'll just take her out and put her on my chest and she'll crawl up on my hair, my arms, whatever. I don't care. Um, so then when we took out her tank and, like, cleaned out everything... I sat her on my chest and then Dan and I were like carrying things out to the car and we walked outside and it was so sunny that day that she immediately started panicking and like trying to run anywhere she could that was dark while I'm carrying things outside. So mm-hmm. I was wearing, I was wearing overalls that day. So I put her in my overall pocket <laughs> and like, I'm like pushed it closed so that it would be dark in there. Um, and then I just carried her in my overall pocket for the rest of the day. Um, and then I drove home with her in my overall pocket, which was great until she realized that it wasn't as dark anymore and tried to crawl all over me while I was driving. And I was like, not today. <laughs> um, yeah. So then I, I brought her home and I set everything up here and I got it all and I put new soil in and I tried to feed her and I tried to turn everything on and she absolutely refused to eat, which is fair. She was stressed out and it was a new environment and whatever. Um, and then I, like, wasn't home for three days. Aww. because I, No, because I was just, like, so busy doing other things yeah. and, like, getting ready. And, like, I was never really, really home. So then yesterday was the first day that I spent, like, the whole day at home. So I brought her out and I was letting her crawl on me while I was doing laundry. And then I let her crawl all over my bed. And she was so excited because there were so many blankets and so many things to climb on top of and explore. And she was just living her best life. And she finally ate this morning. And mm-hmm. I just, between us recording podcast episodes, I just went down and made sure that um, the he the daytime lights were off and so that it was dark in her in her tank. And as soon as all the lights were off, she popped her head out of her hide and was ready to explore. And so she's doing mm-hmm. great and she's happy and I love her. I love that. I so, love yeah. that. My little girl. Um, I actually I actually almost brought her out and like had her join us on the podcast, but I didn't show and tell. Yeah. Maybe next time when it's not gonna mm-hmm. be as long of an episode. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, well, I also I have a I have a pup date. <laughs> um started out strong, I know. Um, so my little my little Sadie, bless her heart. You've probably heard through the podcast. I know I've told you she sometimes has tummy issues and they're always at the most inconvenient time. Of course. So we went to bed late last night 
because I just had stuff to prepare for for this morning. My love, my love, my love, Sadie Bell. Woke me up at 4.30 this morning. Meanwhile, it's not a short day. It's not like I could come home and just go to bed for three hours. No. And she keeps me up the whole morning. So I ended up getting Chick-fil-A. Because I was like, well, now I'm awake. I'm starving. Yeah. I'm thirsty. I need coffee. So I got a frosted coffee. I got a sweet tea. And I got chicken minis and hash browns. And I was like, this is just who I am now. I had to wait for Chick-fil-A to open. Like, I, it was a whole thing. Like, when I have to wait for a breakfast place to open, I feel really? like I am in the wrong world. Correct. And so I made it to work. I made it through the day without dying. I did. I'm, I'm training Noelle still. Um, she's our, in our new royalties position. I don't, I don't know if I told you, um, but she got hired on in the royalties position. And so I've been yeah. training her. And today I, she was doing like some one-off statements. So I don't have to do a lot. I just had to kind of yeah. be there. And right. I just like ended up like sitting back in my chair and reading my book. And I was like, I just can't. <laughs> I was like, I just need a, need a minute to breathe. Yeah. Um, it. so it's been a, it's been a whirlwind and this whole week, it was kind of a whirlwind. Like I went to, um, I went to the bar for the first time since I quit on Saturday night and it was, it was so lovely. I miss those people so much. Like, uh, you I don't, don't you don't miss the stress though. You do not miss the stress. No, like <laughs> they had a wedding party that night and I was like, Oh, I'm going to sit up front and just like talk Snap. to people. Yeah. I'm going to not go back there at all. <laughs> it's like, but good luck. I hope you make a lot of money. Um, so it was nice being there and not having to do anything, but also just like getting to the people that I've been around for the past two years that I don't see every week anymore. So yeah. it was, it was nice. I mean, I'm going to have to go back more often just because it makes me sad not to. Yeah. But you know, what keeps me from being too sad. My spirituality. My spiritual. Well, so if you today, like, help me out, we're gonna keep it short. We're gonna keep it simple. Don't forget to love yourself. So true. So uh, Soren Soren Kierkegaard is who I got that quote from. Yeah. Who was it? Can I you repeat that? Soren Kierkegaard. I don't think I know them. I don't either. I just found it on the quote website. Sure. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure. sure. And I'm sure a lot of other people have said some other variation of making sure you don't forget of to course. love yourself. But Yep. So yeah. that is absolutely true. And I think that's valid today because I always love a good horror wrap up. I, I don't know why these episodes just bring me so much joy to my heart. And so here we are today to do the wrap up of American Horror Story season one. Um, I think it's just because like we get to talk about the horror again and we get to announce what movie we're going to watch in the break. So stay tuned for that. Also, um, um, just business. We are not doing DNA awards for American Horror Story in case anyone yes. was wondering about that. Um, it's just too short and it's kind of a really a filler thing that we're just doing for fun between shows. So we will not be giving it awards, even though for Stargate, we're giving it 57 DNA awards. We're, <laughs> it has 57 times as many episodes so you know it tracks it tracks um yeah so this is just going to kind of be an all-in-one we'll have some discussion about things that were good and things that were bad and some fun facts as always so um yeah this season was 
absolutely a wild one. Do you have like a summary feeling of how you feel, felt about it before I dive in? So as we all know, I had never seen any American Horror Story before. Um, I don't know. I do. I know that my delving into horror is a newer thing in my life. It really wasn't until I was in college that I even started watching horror movies at all. And I genuinely had no interest in watching American Horror Story because I thought it would be too scary. And I don't think it is scary. I think I have a hard time with the word horror because I think it means so many different things at this point. Um, But because I didn't find I only maybe one or two times that I find the show genuinely scary. I found it like dark. I found it creepy. I found it like suspenseful, but I didn't really find it scary. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's my one of the beautiful things about the horror genre is it is so expansive because you have like horror comedies and stuff too that aren't like Shaun of the Dead is not scary by any means, but it's still, you know, under that umbrella. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's my overall takeaway is that um, it was much more true artistic storytelling than I was expecting because I was just expecting to be scared. Mm hmm. Yep. It's a, uh, it's a real, it's a special one. It's a good one. Um, I mean, we were, we were familiar with Brian Murphy and Brad Falchuk from, you know, Glee, et cetera. <laughs> we had Glee, uh, Brian Murphy did Nip Tuck. They've done, uh, I think they did like another like mini series or a film together. I, I-, I mean, I had, obviously it came out after American Horror Story, but I had already seen the assassination of Gianni Versace. Right. Yeah. Which I still haven't seen. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be a bit of a different format than if you, you know, if you're just joining us for American Horror Story, we do it a little bit differently for our wrap ups. So I'm going to give you some kind of like behind the scenes stuff to start. Um, a little bit about casting, a little bit about production, etc. So as we've said, Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk essentially created the show. I mean, it's Ryan Murphy's baby, but Brad Falchuk yeah. is hands in hand. Yeah. And yeah. So he's a huge horror buff. And so he based the show around a show called Dark Shadows that I did not know existed, but apparently is very popular in the world. Um, I also Dark Shadows. Isn't, isn't Dark Shadows the one that. Not what like we a, do in the shadows. No, no, no. Dark Shadows is like a campy vampire show, like from the i want to say the 60s or 70s where it's dark but it's also kind of more like a soap opera um and then they that made sounds a, correct and then they made a movie that was like um basically some of the stories from the first season of the original show and it was with johnny depp in i don't remember like the 2017 or 18 now i'm thinking yeah. of the correct thing right i think so um, I did. I didn't look it up because I meant to, and got distracted, as you can imagine. So, um, yeah, that was his like main influence. Yeah, it was Tim Burton, the Johnny Depp, Michelle Pfeiffer, Helena Bonham. Oh, okay, Bonner, no, yeah, but um, the, ni- the nineteen twelve. 
Yes, but the 1966 Dark Shadows is, it is actually, it's actually classified as a uh, soap opera. It's a soap opera, but it's about vampires. Yes. So it makes me super interested in it. I definitely want to watch it. So he based it around Dark Shadows. If it's anything like the movie, like the movie was campier because it was Tim Burton. But if it's anything like the characters from the movie, I'm sure it's fantastic. Like as long as you know you're getting into it. I know you're getting, as long as you know you're getting into a 1960s soap opera. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was one of the big ones. Um, and then, of course, he uh, modeled it off Rosemary's Baby, Don't Look Now, Amityville Horror, and Kubrick's The Shining. So, like, very classic horror films. Yeah. So that's where we get a lot of these, like, traditional tropes from that we see throughout the season. Um, and then to get in the cast a bit more, this was actually Jessica Lange's first regular role in television. She's obviously been around for a bit and has done quite a few things. And she's gotten, um, I was reading some of the interviews, she's actually gotten quite a few offers to do television work. But because the the network stuff, or vice versa, whichever one, if it's network, I think it's the network stuff was lasting too long, or maybe it was the cable stuff lasted too long. And so her schedule never lined up. No, it's, it's network. Network TV shows tend to have the 25, 22, 25 episode seasons and you get like multi-season contracts to begin with. Whereas Mm -hmm. cable shows are the, your 10, 12, 15 episode things. Right. And so this was the first one that she actually agreed to because it did run, you know, shorter. So we we had 12 episodes instead of 25. Yeah. Um, And then Dylan McDermott, who plays Ben Harmon, he was cast in the role next and he actually took this role because he didn't want to be known as the guy from the practice anymore um because that's how everyone knew him and he didn't want to be that known for that anymore and now he is well american horror Horror story Story. he is now the guy from american horror story um yep and then the house itself was previously used as a convent um when it was created, because it was created like, it's in 1916. I didn't write down the date, but I think it was 1916. And so all of these um, exterior shots are angled to where you can't see the chapel. <laughs> like the chapel is still there, but you just That's can't amazing. See it. That is yeah. phenomenal. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. And uh, for this, for this show, they did a, they did a replica that they filmed, obviously, um, all, all, off location, like on their own location, not at the house itself. But the pilot was shot in the original location, the house that was built in 1916. And so it was just moving forward that it was. Well, probably any of the times that they had to do the the murder house tour, anytime they had cars like outside and mm-hmm. they were looking at the street, that was probably on that would I could tell was studio because they don't. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It would be too hard to, especially like in L.A. Yeah. Um, and so also originally there were meant to be 13 episodes. I'm sure for the effect of being 13. Yeah. And the 13th episode was meant to be 30 minutes shorter than your the average episode. But so what, 15 I, I didn't minutes? I like maybe 20. Like some of them went 40. 42 to 50 depending on the episode but yeah it's really like super short and then they decided against that and so they ended up just adding um 10 minutes longer so it ended up being 52 minutes instead of 42 minutes on the finale 
Um, so which, basically they were going to have that three years later thing be a totally separate episode. Yeah. Which would have been stupid because nobody would have cared because they would have <laughs> wrapped up the story and then unwrapped it and I would have hated it. Right. Yeah, I agree. And especially being so short, like it wouldn't have made any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now I want to talk about the title sequence because for those of you who are American Horror Story fans and have watched multiple seasons, you'll know that there's always hints to the entire season in that title sequence. Um, so it was created by Kyle Cooper. He's also known for doing the title sequence for The Walking Dead and the movie Seven. Okay. Um, but Ryan Murphy works on it to create it essentially as a mini mystery to the series. So I've got, I've got a list of all of the things that are included in the opening sequence that you could have potentially tied to something else. He did set it up to where after the ninth episode, you will have figured it all out. Like everything that's in the title sequence is shown by the ninth episode. Um, okay. So the last like three are not included. So oh, that's not the one I need. And this is kind of in, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I've, I've lost my, my screenshots. Do, do, do. Screenshots. Okay. So I'm so sorry. This is, <laughs> I was prepared and then I tried to search for dark shadows and got off of it. Okay. Ugh. So you see, you start in the basement. Obviously, yeah. that is very, very clear cut. Right. What it is. Next up, you see the hole in the floor. And while it's creepy in its own right, this is actually where um, Thaddeus, who becomes known as Infantata, once they have been created as a new creature, hides yeah. throughout the whole series. Oh, right, right, right. They're okay. hiding under there. So you see that. And also is Violet's final resting place. Right. And so it's meant to be kind of a key to all of that. You see bloody medical equipment, which obviously references Dr. Montgomery. Yeah. Um, you see a man with plastic wrap around his head, which is how Joe Eskandarian died. Oh, um, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. There are flames, which are meant to represent um, Lorraine and the children mm -hmm. dying. Yeah. And uh, the there are old pictures of toddlers, and they're approximately all taken from 1890 to 13 to, I mean, 1890 to 1930. Some of them, which are burning and some of these are post-mortem pictures, which obviously would be set up with the abortion clinic that was set with Dr. Montgomery. Right. Um, I feel like a lot is, of, I feel like a lot of it was very, like there was double meanings to some of it, but a lot of it oh, was very sure. obviously like Charles Montgomery and the what the basement was on the surface because that is mm -hmm. the root of the evil in the house in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, they the Montgomery's built that house. And yeah. so they were the start of all of this. Um, right. So Dr. Montgomery the, the, is like the root of all of the evil in the house. Yes. Which yeah. is, if you recall in real life, the podcast about Dr. Hotel is called root of evil or root of evil or something. Um, yeah, the, yeah. 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 So yeah. So it kind of, kind of ties into that storyline. Um, there are jars with both human and pig fetuses. And these could either be from Dr. Montgomery's like experiments, experiment, but it also kind of ties into the piggy piggy episode, um, which is the honestly, urban legend. Honestly, I gotta say now that we've seen the whole show, 
I dislike that episode even more mm-hmm. because there's no payoff in the end. Like I yeah. started to, I fell in love with this poor man and then he died and there was no payoff in the end. Yep. Absolutely. Um, their chains, those reference Bo, who's been chained up yeah. in the attic. Um, there are a lot of like dead men in plastic, which are all like references to Joe Eskandarian. Um, there's a man with the bloody hedge clippers, which is meant to be a reference to Black Dahlia. Okay. Um, there's a baptism gown, which is the reference to Infantata. And last but not least, there are three skeletons. And that's meant to represent the Harmon family after death. So okay. you, you have your full span yeah. of the TV show in the credits. And it is... It's something that I always enjoy trying to figure out when a new season comes out. And I have yet been able to do it. Like, it's so... Right. It's so hard. <laughs> so, in the seasons we watch moving forward, you should pay attention to the credits. See if you can figure anything out. So, so next up, I have, as we always do, some reviews. A few from reputable sources... And then I have some others. So <laughs> I start with um, Metacritic. It was given a, a the, the meta score was a 65 and it was for the whole season. Um, okay. It may be 6.5. I wrote these last oh, time. Well, it would be Because the meta score is usually. Okay. No, it's 65 out of 100 like or, or 6.5 out of 10. It's like a percentage. Yeah. Right. And uh Glenn Garvin of Miami Herald said it was repellent and fascinating. Tom Gliotto of People gave it an 88. He said it's funny and moves blindingly fast, barely giving you time to blink or gulp. Dark Shadows for the PlayStation age, which was like... I, I my don't favorite. hate that review at all. I don't hate right? that review at all. I I was like, now I need to go watch Dark Shadows so I can understand like how far removed it is. Um, I mean, obviously, the, I'm familiar with the time period, so, like, I get it. Yeah. Um, Entertainment Weekly's Ken Tucker said, American Horror Story is pretty much all scare all the time. A whole lot of screams, sex, jolts, mashed faces, psychotic behavior, and dead babies. <laughs> Just, like... Didn't scream. I never once yeah. screamed. I was never once genuinely terrified. The only moment of the entire show that actually truly shook me was Violet. Yeah. Everything else you can like get there or you're not surprised that that's where it went. Right. But Violet is definitely the one that like, I think gets everyone, gets everyone a little bit. Um, I think, yeah. Finding out Tate was rubber man was also kind of fucked, but it was, it was wild, but it wasn't like, but like, it that like, one definitely caught me off guard, but it wasn't as catching as Violet. I no, it was like. not the same at all. And we had less emotion. We like we already didn't like him for other reasons, even right. though we had right. this weird feeling about him. Whereas yeah. with Violet, like, she was an annoying teenager, but we didn't want bad things for her. Right. So it's a bit different. Um Rob Owen? Oh no, Pittsburgh I'll tell you the I'll tell you the only yeah. time I was actually scared. The only time I was genuinely scared mm-hmm. was the whole sequence of Vi- of Vivian eating all of the fucking raw organs. That was 
That was disgusting and horrifying. That was truly horrifying to me. That one really bothered you. I don't. That's so funny. Oh, I don't I feel like, like I'm not as bothered by that, but I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rob Owen of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette scored at 50, so like in the middle. And he said, you may not come away knowing whether you like it, but you won't be bored. And I was like, valid. Also not wrong. Right. Like, I would have given it more than a 50, but your statement's not incorrect. Nope. Um, and then I moved on to Rotten Tomatoes, which gave it, it was a 72% Rotten Tomato score for the season, 84% audience rating. Um, the consensus of Rotten Tomatoes said it was convoluted yet effective. American Horror Story is strange, gory, and twisted enough to keep viewers hooked. Fair. So, I think, I don't think that's incorrect. Yeah. I agree. I was uh, I was very impressed by by Rotten by Rotten Tomatoes consensus. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take that from you. Um, so I have a couple of watcher reviews, and then I have something else. Um, so as a, as a preface, IMDb reviewers are unhinged. Oh, for sure. As a whole. Correct. Um, and I've never felt more like that than reading these reviews for this. Like, I went through every review for every episode of the season. Um, they, one person complained about them using Kerwatoan as a spell. And I was like, that's actually quite clever to include that. I was like, one, they're referencing a future season that they kind of, like, have in the works. And also, like, that is part of the history. Right. Like, they it shows they did their research and like it kind of sounds dumb because it's just like as a word but it's the only word that kind of makes sense in the way they're trying to use it so i was like okay well that's a stretch but fine like if that's your one problem fine um one person commented that's the worst episode of any show i've ever seen and i've been watching tv my whole life have you wow i'm so impressed what else is on your resume I know. I was like, how old are you? What have you been watching? Like, I need I need more than, like, we've all been watching TV our whole life. Like, yeah, unless you're 100 years old and you didn't have a TV. Sure, sure. Um, so here's the thing. This review was left at the very bottom of episode one. No rating was given, just, just words. And yeah. I had to summarize some pieces because it was very long. So if okay. you are so inclined to read more into this, feel free. It's the end of the IMDb reviews of episode one with no rating. It starts. Warning. This is one of my critic experiments. So deciphering it shall be relatively challenging. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. That's the disclaimer. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. This is exactly what we want from a review. Great. Correct. Now for the review. Dear Diary, I know everything. How it starts. There, uh, there's a paragraph about Brad and Ryan bringing this idea to him. Um, there's discussion of how he knows Jessica and Dylan, like intimately, like he's part of the process. And uh, then he like goes to reference, uh, was it Dylan McDermott? And uh, he says, 
I read John Noble as his mentor, so I suspect they were actually filming a spinoff of Fringe, starring him as a young Peter Bishop. It's only a theory, but I'm rarely wrong. That would be the worst idea ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> as as someone who loves John Noble and whose favorite show is Fringe and who is deeply obsessed with Peter Bishop, I would love nothing more than a spinoff where we looked at the life of a young Peter Bishop. Dylan McDermott would be the worst choice. And that is I, nothing I don't against, know anything about this. That's nothing against Dylan McDermott acting at all. Just not correct at all. Yeah. I, uh, I just, I didn't understand the connection. I don't know if Fringe has anything to do with American Horror Story. It doesn't. This, like, this at all. This person has just brought it into their review. Uh, meanwhile, I'm on, like, the fifth paragraph at this point. Like, I've skipped quite a bit to get here. Um, the... <laughs> They said the hypnotic opening title of the best new horror story in America has just ended, so it's time for me to vanish before someone noticed my presence. Wicked night. That's how they ended. What the actual fuck? When I tell you they are unhinged, like reading through it, it's like, is this a person who's a like one of those like insane people who thinks they're in this like these relationships with these um like famous people right is this a person who thinks they're a ghost and is surrounding these people and therefore they're hiding away or is this a person trying to experiment like they said it was an experiment with trying to write from that perspective to make it a story as opposed to a review Right. Which episode did you say this was on? Episode one. Very bottom. Okay. It, it is not showing up on uh, in the very bottom of mine. Hmm. I don't I don't know. Do you go to the you went to the IMDB sort, like reviews? Yeah, on sort by review rating. Go all yeah. the way. Oh, to do that, yeah. Because there's no rating on it. So it's that's why it's oh. the bottom. Oh wow. Yeah, so they they didn't even leave. A star of sorts. My mind has survived for centuries. So my imagination is nearly unlimited. The actual talk. I was like, I feel like I should report this to someone. Like, this, But it's probably been too long. Like, this person has found another way out. Like, it was... Is this not the strangest review you've ever seen in your life? Like... I had an existential crisis while reading it. For those of you wondering, Mary Kate is currently reading the entire thing to see, and like her face is, if you're watching, correct. <laughs> this is how you will feel if you read it as well. Um, okay, he's now gone on to say that his best friend in childhood was Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. What? So I'm not sure if he's deranged or it's a writing choice. Like he's trying to write a story of sorts. Although why oh. this is where you would do it, I don't know. But no, but but like he's actually insane. Like, um, I remember 
The first one I recognized was Jessica Lange because I had already met her 35 years ago on a tropical island. But then I remember she yeah. was dating some big, hairy, sniffy guy. Now, for some reason, they keep calling her Constance, but I know that's Jessica. So, like, mm. also, I think, because one of the references with Dur- with Dylan McDermott he makes, I think he's trying to reference, like, their original roles in Hollywood. Like, the first role they played, but I don't, I didn't, I didn't know what her first role was. But the more I was reading into it, I was like, is this meant to be, like, a callback to, like, what they first worked on? I, like, did, did someone put that in there as, like, a piece of, um, like, tr- like an Easter egg for something in the future? Or is someone just absolutely batshit crazy? I mean, I have watched 11 seasons of this show and I've watched the stories. Well, season one and half of season two of the stories. And this means nothing to me. Like at all. It is just unhinged. Like that's all I can. That's all I can think of it. To be fair, Jessica Lange's very, very, very first role in Hollywood was in King Kong. So very Harry Man. So that makes sense. Like, yeah. And then what is so the reference Dur- to the original role? So then I, what I is don't Dylan remember Dermot's. I I uh, I don't have my phone because I'm recording with it, so I don't remember oh what he said. But it was Jessica Lange. I think it was Dylan. Well, McDermott. and then Dylan McDermott. The Dylan McDermott. That's when he started talking about. Peter or John Noble and Peter Bishop. Right. Yeah. Um, which so his first role was that's so weird. This is completely unrelated. His first role was in a show called Three Pounds. Um, Which is... Oh, I lied. No, no, no. His first role was in Hamburger Hill. Um, Hamburger Hill? Yeah, Hamburger Hill. Which is Hill. the movie... I thought you said Hell. No, but that... It looks like no one has ever watched. No, he was in a show called Three Pounds, which started in 2006. Oh, it's it's listed last on his IMDb because it was unaired. It never existed. Um, he, okay. played a, he played a, a doctor... Named Dr. Douglas Hansen. Right. I don't know if you know, but Doug's last name is Hannon. I did not know that. Yeah. So that was really weird for me for a second there. So did Doug um, write this review? I'm going to go ahead and say he did. I mean, he is a writer. Well, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. I mean. Hold on. I'm going to write Dylan McDermott john noble and put them both in a google search and see what comes up oh okay the blue iguana was a parody of a film noir which was the second thing dylan mcdermott was ever credited in was him and john noble someone is on absolute crack right so they've like gone out of their way to be batshit crazy like that took me like seven minutes to find just to interpret what they wrote let alone come up with something like that to write yeah yeah i'm a writer i'm not writing that and if i'm gonna Uh, write like sure writers write in exercises that have similar vibes not on not on message boards not on rating boards it's it's within writing groups or 
for personal review. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I need to ask Doug some serious questions now. We should have kept them on. For those of you who don't know, he was in our SG1 wrap-up on Sunday. We should have just held him on and made him sit through this one with us. Yeah. Or at least maybe he could have interpreted it. Because I don't know what the fuck any of that was. Uh, it was, I, it literally, it sent me into a spiral last night. Like, I was glad I read it last night, not today, because it sent me into a spiral and I needed a minute. Before, I, like, I just... Done. I just read it live on air, and so I don't know yeah. if I'll be okay for the entire rest of the podcast. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to go go on, um, but go on we must. Signs at Wicked Night. No name, just Wicked Night, comma like you're doing like best. Yeah, wild. I don't so, like anything about that. Like that's scarier to me than the show. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, getting into the awards section, it was nominated for 65 awards <laughs> for this year. It won 19 of them. So, some of the highlights, obviously, I am not going to go piece by piece because that is a right. lot. However, the very first award on the list was IGN's Best Of, and it won Best Sci-Fi Horror show wow um, yeah now which was fun and i was like well we're we're crossing our worlds now um we jessica lane sure everything for outstanding female drama um yeah she just she just won all of them she was even up against francis conroy one of them and she won it um oh. the best screenplay was jessica Scharzer. um i meant to look up which one she wrote i mean she wrote on, i think three of them um, but I didn't remember exactly which ones. Do you happen to know off the top of your head? I know this which, is not your purview. No, wait, who who is this? Jessica Scherzer. Okay, so she did she did Piggy Piggy. That may have been her first one. Um which everyone that was on the Piggy Piggy episode came back. So Jessica Scherzer did that one. And is this, then, wait, she's a, a writer or a yes. producer? She's a writer. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was her first one, I believe. And then she was on another one I know. Uh, here, hold on. I'm looking at Let's see it. her. She wrote... Why do you feel like not... And American Horse. Oh, here we go. She wrote Piggy Piggy and Afterbirth. Yes. So I don't know what it was, but literally everyone, the the writers, the directors, the um, editors, a lot of it, Piggy Piggy was their first episode. And then they all um, came back for more. And I, I agree with you. It was my least favorite of the season. Um. Also, she, I just looked at her IMDb to figure out what episodes it was. She wrote the movie A Simple Favor. Did you ever watch that? The what? A Simple Favor. Yeah. Fucking love that movie. She wrote the screenplay for it? She, yeah. I love that. I uh, I don't know that I ever, I don't think I ever read the book, but I did. I've, seen I, I've never times. read the book, but I would like to because I fucking love that mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, it's one that I kind of go back to. 
every couple of years and like rewatch it because it's just it's good every time. And I mean, Blake yeah. Lively, my God, can never yeah. go wrong. Blake Lively, really. Um, yeah. So she's incredible. She's the one. She won the best writing uh, or best screenplay at the Bram Stoker Awards. Um, Jessica Lang won for uh, the. She got an Emmy for it. Outstanding. What does that say? Do not know. I don't. I, don't can't I can't read my own handwriting. Hairstyling. My gosh. Outstanding hairstyling for a miniseries or movie. They won. They won the Emmy for that. Uh, she also won a Golden Globe, and then they won like six awards for the Online Film and TV Association Awards. And uh, nice. Yeah, and then the only new one was for oh they won the best new title sequence in that same um, award ceremony, and then for the PAAFTJ TV awards it was the first year of it. Um, okay. Mark Washington won for pre- best production design. That was the only thing that kind of differed from Ryan Murphy, Jessica Lange, and overall as a film winning because it just won like every award. Okay. Yeah. So before we get into our discussion a bit more i have some questions for you but i have fun facts first okay so take on as we talked about ryan murphy wrote glee before this yeah um basically directly before and so he was really sick of glee it seems by the end of it because he came out and he said i can't write any more nice speeches for these glee kids which is how we got American Horror Story. Because <laughs> he can no longer write nice things. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to say it. I was having this conversation with someone the other day. Glee was amazing. Mm-hmm. At the time when it was on, it was a great show. I loved every second of it. Now, I'm not going to lie, looking back as an adult, Mr. Shu was kind of fucking creepy, probably not an appropriate behavior for an adult, but like it didn't feel weird watching it. Um also all the conspiracy theories behind everybody who died from that show really fucked me up because they're way, way too accurate and it makes me really uncomfortable. Um and I think Leah Michelle can't read. So, yeah, I think like Alex Newell got out unscathed for the. I mean, they've been through a lot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. but like in the sense of glee, did you see all the pictures that came out after the Tonys that were like Alex Newell won a Tony before Leah Michelle? Yes, <laughs> they're like bags and memes, and I laughed so so i have my theater nonprofit, so i've sent it to noel and she's like we should post this on the page i was like absolutely not i was like we are a professional organization <laughs> i was like i'm sending it to you because i'm not posting it on our professional right. site <laughs> like but thank you for thank you for the appreciation i know it was oh god i cried yeah Ugh. so well deserved so well deserved no I'm but like glee, glee was great I mean, by the end, I got it. I do. But by the end, I mean, people had died. It was like people were yeah. not nice to each other anymore. Like, I mean, not that they, you know, there have been plenty of rumors swirling about how Leah Michelle treated people throughout. 
but I think it just like got worse yeah over time no people died people got arrested it's not a good people got arrested and then died um yep yep so uh yeah you talk about like Disney and Nickelodeon kids like they just get on drugs and go to rehab and then come out on the other end like the Glee kids really uh didn't do so come out so hot I mean, um, some of them haven't really come up on the other end. I think Orlando Brown's still kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got some time. Like, he's still alive. So Yeah, that's true. Know, could come out on the other end. Um, I mean, you know, it took Amanda Bynes, what, like 10 years? Oh, years? she's, no, so, she's not. She's not doing I mean, she's not, well right now. She's not great. I mean, I'm not Amanda Bynes. Lindsay Lohan. She's oh, because I say because Amanda Bynes is back at the yeah. bottom. She she had she was coming out of it. She, and now yeah. it's not doing well. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan's kind of coming back on her out, out on her own, which is nice to see that yeah. people are becoming people again. Um, so to get away from Glee too fast, Ryan Murphy wanted uh guess, guess who he wanted to play Emma Emma Pillsbury. Like, if you just had a wild guess. Wait, what character? Emma. Miss Pillsbury. Emma? The one who sh- Mr. Shoe dates. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about a character in American Horror Story for a second. And I no, was no, like, no. There's no one named that. Who did he want to play Emma? I have no idea. Sarah Paulson. <laughs> that would have been awful on every level. She is too much of a strong personality. Yeah, but no, never, like, that would have been like, so bad. Like, Miss so Pillsbury bad. is the character she is because she's so mild and meek. Yeah. And like, like, no, like, I would have hated... Seeming never with Sarah Paul. No, it would have been awful. I, I'm so glad that that didn't happen. Yeah. Like, I've seen her play, quote-unquote, weak in movies, and she still feels like... Yeah, no. With a lot of people, so. I think the only thing Sarah Paulson has in common with, um, what's that sweet baby angel who played Emma? Can't remember, um, but that they have big eyes. Like, that's literally all they yeah. have in common. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, she does play some quieter characters at some points through, um, horror but, story, uh, but never not, not powerful. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, Jessica Lang and Sarah Paulson, this is not the first time they worked together. They were actually on Broadway together in a show that is that I haven't seen as a show. I've only read the play, but it's near and dear to my heart. Um, Glass Menagerie. That's right. They did do that. I did not know they did that. And I would give my left arm probably to see them do that again. Like like that. Yeah, but they couldn't do that again. Sarah Paulson could not play that role anymore. She's far too old now i know maybe there's like a video somewhere i'll try and hunt it down yeah um like not that she can't act but no that's no but yeah it's there's an age (laughs) that it's set in you have to be young enough yeah um it's part of it is the naivety so yeah but i mean because the character is only 15 like it doesn't yeah you can play some you can play 15 well into your 20s you can't play 15 well into your 40s right 100%. 100%. Yeah. And like, there are some roles that, like, even with ages, you can change them around. And like, if they're meant to be 15, you can make them 25 and do whatever. But like, this is not one of those. It's not one of those. No. It's not one that would change, that would too much change the story. Um, 
so for Chad and Patrick, Ryan Murphy initially wanted to cast Neil Patrick Harris and David Bertka, and uh, they turned the role down. Yeah, I don't. I think I mean Neil and David can do anything, but that would have been a bad look for them with starting a family and some what they yeah. they've tried really hard to stick to roles that they can at least. Even if they're bad guys in the roles, it's at least, like, something that they wouldn't be ashamed of their kids knowing, and this Mm -hmm. is not that. Yeah, and I I completely forgot when we talked about this initially that Ryan Murphy is gay. Like, so it's not from a place of not knowing, you know? Yeah, no, no, that's one of the reasons why I find it... didn't think to bring that up when we were talking about it. No, that's one of the reasons why I find it so bothersome is because he is gay the boys in the band is what he did with that is phenomenal like it's it's not it just it sits wrong with me yeah i am it was it was kind of sad reading a lot of reviews about it because when people were talking about it they're like it kind of makes it feel like there's this like self-hatred that he has because of how like because of how he portrays he portrays gay characters in a way because even in the even in, in the Glee. shows that are not in Glee, even in the shows that are not like uh, Gianni Versace is more based in reality because it is a true story. Mm-hmm. But even the the fictionalized characters in that, he doesn't portray gay people in a way that feels yeah. like yeah, it, it there there feels like a lot of self self-esteem issues and self-worth issues in the way he portrays gay characters. It makes me really want to go back and watch like Nip Tuck to kind of see how he unfolds as a director and writer. Um, yeah. Because it was Nip Tuck Glee and then this and then Scream Queens, which Scream Queens is just so off the rails that like there's not even like I could even tell you what who the gay characters are <laughs> because it's just so off the rails. Um, I'm sure there's a gay character in there. Um, but like and as you see american horror story unfold like i like i said like it it does have a different lens on it moving forward and you do see less stereotypical and you do see more like being more protective of gays and like being more of like telling the right like telling the right stories like i said the last most recent season is a comment on the aids epidemic and Uh um, leather clubs and stuff so it does it doesn't always stay that way and so I want to see if it's like a stark difference from Nip Tuck to now to see if like right. he's grown and like become more, you know, confident. Obviously, I don't know him. And so I don't know his journey, yeah. but like, I don't right. know. It's just, I mean, you can see so much of people in their writing. It's like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just how absolutely. it is. Um, so Murder House has been used in a few other productions. It's been used in spider-man it did not say which one and i did not look it up i should have um like the, the house itself the yeah the house itself um okay. sea biscuit which i have not seen that movie in a thousand years so couldn't tell you um x files i don't think i've gotten there yet but i am not surprised i'm excited to see it uh twilight zone again okay. not surprised um, Six Feet Under, which is a show I've heard is incredible and have not watched right. yet. Same. Um, Dexter, 
which I also haven't, I've watched like six episodes, but yeah, I, I've decided to go back and read the book. For, I was talking to Noelle about this and she said the books are not necessarily better than the TV show. So if you want to read them to get the full context, read them yeah. first because the TV show makes it more interesting. And okay. so I, I stopped the show. So I'm going to go back and she said they're short books and I'm going to read it first. Um, and Buffy, which is another one that I have not watched enough of to like, I think I've right. watched like four episodes of Buffy. So. I've watched almost every episode, but so long ago, like I watched it when it was on in the nineties, which was probably too yeah. old for, I was probably way too young to actually be watching it, but whatever. Um, so I was fine. planning it to be my watch after X-Files. So I'm not there yet. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's been like around the block. Um, and also it was, I don't think it still is because I was seeing a lot of different articles. I think it was 2016. The house was actually used as an Airbnb, um, which is interesting. I'm sure it's a gazillion dollars a night. Yeah. And then because I was seeing articles from 2018 where the people who bought the house were suing their realtor because of all of the publicity the house was getting. And they were like, they were never told that this many people were going to come by the house. I was like, never watched TV. I was like, here's the thing. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind you knew that this house came from American Horror Story. Like, I'm sure the price was astronomical. And so if you pay oh. this price, you know where it came from. Yeah. You are in LA and you know how people work. Like, that's yeah. not a hey, heads up, people are coming by. Like, yes, obviously people are coming by. Correct. So was a I was like half reading that and I was like I'm not even giving this justice I'm not even gonna read all the articles about it because this is insane yeah but it felt but then it also at the same time felt like I was like are you trying to like profit off of the fact that this is what they did in the show like they wanted to sue Marcy because she didn't tell them about all this stuff like <laughs> I was like because that's insane but that's who wrote the review the people that bought the house in 2018 are the people that wrote the review Come on, dog. Sell the house. <laughs> but, like, give us a cut because we figured it out. Or, yeah. like, at least, or at least, like, use it as an Airbnb and let me stay there. Yeah, that, that too. That's fine, too. Yeah. Um, but, like, so don't charge we... me. Oh, of course. No. We don't get, no, no. We don't get charged. Um, so now we've kind of made it to the discussion portion. I've got, I've given you my fun facts, given you the awards, I've given you my review. So this is where we kind of we're at the end of our wrap up. Um, so obviously we've got multiple backstories with this season. What was your favorite backstory? Oh, my favorite backstory. I don't know. I think as much as I hate to say it, I think Tate is still the most fascinating to me of like how he got there and why he got there. And not that he was like a good person, like not that he sure. I don't know. Maybe Tate or maybe Nora. I don't know. I feel like they have so much shit going on. Yeah. I think Nora is my favorite backstory. Um, Cause it's just, it's so heartbreaking and it's, she didn't have a, chance even though it was kind of 
she was putting a rock in a hard place because this whole thing came up because they didn't have money because they spent all the money to build this house. And this is what started the entire thing. Like without the Montgomery. Well, I mean, they did spend all the money to build the house, but also they didn't, there, they had the money to build the house. They lost the money because he was on drugs, yes. like because he was addicted. Right. And then she tried to find a way to save the family and hated every second of it, but it was doing what she could for the money. And then eventually things got so bad that she knew the only way to save them was to get rid of him and, so, and, and then also get rid of herself. And like, that was, yeah, that's. It's, it's heartbreaking. I think it's very, um, uh, what's the word? Like reminiscent of the time, like, because yeah. you know, women didn't have other options. They were whatever the men did to support the family was how they were supported. Especially like, in the social class that they were in. Yeah. And like, Which, trying like to keep up it's the facade not to, that wasn't there. And it's, it's hard because you think of these things about like social class warfare and things like that. And like the idea of like upper class people not having the same struggles as lower class people, but upper class women almost had it worse than lower class women in a sense that like, if a lower class woman tried to get a job, it was like, she's got to do something. Her family's starving. But like if an upper class woman tried to do something that was outside of what was expected of them, it was not, yeah, not acceptable in any way. And like, even if they're looked down upon, like as a lower class woman getting a job, it's like, they're already looked down upon because they're a lower class woman. So it's like right. not worse for them. Whereas the upper class, like they like, as soon as they fall, it's like, it's like a whole yeah. um, avalanche comes right. down with it. And so it is very, um, like, the the lower class doesn't have the means to survive and the upper class doesn't have any freedom. It's, you know, which side of the grass is greater? Um, uh, none. Yeah. Um, so this is a little prediction, prediction zone. What characters, not not cast members, like not the actors themselves, but which characters do you think you'll see again? And do you have any idea how they would fit into a story? Oh, I don't have a fucking idea I how anybody's going to fit into anything. Um, characters that I think um, we would see again, I think it would make sense um, for Billy, Billy Dean, to come back. That is a logical one. Um, Constance is not unreasonable because the way they left it with Michael makes it seem like that is where they would be going with any continuation um, issues. Um, I think because we know they flip back and forth between time periods so much in the show... Um, I don't think it would be crazy to necessarily have Charles or Nora return in some previous to their death context in a different season. Um, I think the one people like the one set of people that I would be the most sure that they wouldn't 
is the Harmons because I feel like that story is just too beginning to end and it wouldn't make sense for them to be anywhere else in the show. So that would be my my initial gut thoughts. I love, I love to hear it. Love to hear it. Uh, I love how hard you're trying not to give any kind of reaction to anything I'm saying right now. <laughs> I never will. Um, but I mean, we all kind of know as a running line, there's a little piece of each season in different seasons. So like, right. you know, obviously we're going to see at least one of these characters again. Yeah, of course. Um, and and obviously I know we see different actors as different yes. characters. Like I know, like I know Jessica Lange is back for like, like in Coven, but not as Constance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that is. Yeah. Whatever. He had initially wanted to do like, his whole thing was to build up the show and use maybe one or two characters from a previous season, but have whole new um, character sets each time, or e- whole new cast sets each time. And then I think he just got so bogged down with like Evan Peters, Jessica Lange, um, Sarah Paulson. Um, right. Like that was to say, I know, I know Evan Peters comes back, but I don't think he comes like I don't think Tate oh. coming back would make sense. I thought you were gonna say Tate, so I was like, she comes back too. Like she's in another. No, season. no, no. I'm saying like yeah. I knew, I yeah. knew Evan. I know Evan Peters and Jessica Lang both are back in other t- senses, but Constance coming back as Constance is not as unreasonable to me as I don't feel like Tate coming back makes sense with just what I know the other seasons are about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. We'll we'll find out. Um, what was your, if we remove Violet's death, <laughs> what is your favorite plot twist? Fair, because Violet's death is the only really <laughs> good one. Not that there weren't other good ones, but that was the yeah. only really good one. Um, That's the one that catches you off guard the most, yeah. Yeah. Um... I guess, I mean, I guess the only other one that I feel like was a real plot twist was Tate being Robber Man. But no, Violet Stath is. Yeah. I mean, it is the plot twist that, like, you watch yeah. this show for. Um, but I think the one that, like, if I was to remove Violet's death, it's a very small one, but I was caught off guard and thoroughly, like, ha- happily surprised that the baby was still there for Vivian oh that's fair that's cute no i like that um because like overall it's sad like yeah the baby could have been stillborn and never would have been stuck in the house but had one breath now they're stuck in the house so overall it's sad <laughs> but it builds no. a beautiful family and like no it was i mean baby. yeah i mean and there's like really great moments like um when you find out that Larry didn't have anything to do with his family dying in yeah. the sense that he claimed. Like, there's good moments, like, but in terms of an actual, like, caught me off guard plot twist, Violet dying and Tate being Robber Man were the only two that really, like, yeah. I felt like were actual. 
I mean, there's things like I said from the first episode that Tate was dead. Sure. And yeah. I and I was so sure even from the beginning that Tate was Constance's son mm-hmm. of her golden child that she talked about. Yeah. I so those ones didn't shock me because I saw them coming from the first episode. Um you know what I think might actually be no. Okay. I know what my big one is that is not about Tater Violet. Okay. Addie dying. I did mm-hmm. not expect that. That that got me. I yeah. really did not expect that. Addie dying and then not being a ghost and not coming back and like just genuinely being dead and gone. That was that was a lot for me. Yeah, that was a rough one. Um yeah, I think I always like forget to place that one because she doesn't come back. Like, I once she's dead, she's real dead. Like, um, yeah. So, I also I just want to touch on what you were talking about with uh, Larry. Like, yeah, he's not all as bad as you see him as because, like, yes, he cheated on his wife. Yes, this kind of led the mom to burn everything down, but he didn't burn them down. He didn't kill his family. And that's one thing, and we see it with with Tate a lot too. That's one thing that Ryan Murphy does really, really well is not one character is 100% evil and not one character is 100% good. Like they all have something they've done wrong and they have something that's redeeming about them. And it makes every, and I think that builds in the horror sense. It's like, this is, like it almost makes it a little more real because you're like these aren't these extremely evil characters these aren't made up and they're based off of people that actually existed so it's like these are real people that real things could have happened to and while it's not like i don't live these lives i'm not in this house of course we aren't like living in a haunted house with ghosts where the house is telling everyone what to do um but you know there are school shootings there are like bullies at school like violet had there are children who die there are parents who kill their children like these are all yeah. things that kind of happen in real life that do make oh it a I just reality saw a new- horror story i just saw a news article today about a baby that was born creamy and actually made it home from the nicu and then the father killed it as soon as it got home Ugh. see like so like it's, that's it's the- that's fuck that's fucking worse than a demon ghost in your yeah. house like in my opinion yeah, absolutely. And I think that's I think that's one thing he really leans into is he leans into the horrors of humanity, of humanity. as opposed to the horrors yeah. of like like ghosts and demons. I mean, those are included because for the sake of the show, but it's not it's like it's just not the main focus. But like in the show, being a ghost doesn't necessarily mean anything evil. Like right. um like Bo never did a single wrong thing, even as a yeah. ghost. Yep. Um, Moira is questionable, but <laughs> I feel like her heart's in the right place. She's not yeah, evil. Sure. She's just bitter. Um, <laughs> um, but like being dead, it gave it gave and Patrick, Chad and Patrick. I, I don't know. They're again. I don't really think they're evil. I just think they're fucked up. Like, yeah. I think they they became ghosts in such a bad situation that it rolled over yeah. into their afterlife and they couldn't it was right. something else they couldn't escape from yeah but yeah so like being dead doesn't make you a bad person being a ghost doesn't make you a bad person like shit travis did nicer things as a ghost than some of the living people did not as ghosts like yeah and the Harmons when they died they were all very kind like 
they yeah. you know were decorating a Christmas tree and they were like making sure no one stayed in the house to get hurt. Like they were like, you can't have a baby in this house. It'll be a demon. Like, you know, oh, right. <laughs> so they were, it's, yeah, it really kind of flips your, flips the script on like what's real horror and what's not and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, um, we kind of summed it up, but as a overall vibe, I wanted to know, because we're not doing a DNA award, who in this entire season would be your, like, overall punch them in the face? Your all punch in the face. Oh, fuck me. Um, probably Constance. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, like... And maybe it's because she's still around to fuck people's lives up. Like, maybe yeah. that's what it is. Like at the end of the show who is still going to hurt somebody Constance like yeah I think I think she's a very good choice um I think I'd probably I'd probably go Tate that that was the Um, that was the other one I was thinking I think Constance is a better choice because I agree I think she is very manipulative and she knows what she's doing all of the time and uh yeah at least tate some of the I mean, time tate, tries yeah to tate, right thing. tate is young and immature and wrong and not a good person but yeah. there's a there's a level of naivety to it that you almost pity constance knows what she's doing yeah constance and like tate sometimes good. does try to do nice things whereas constance only does nice things when they like benefit her no, and like Constance deliberately lies to everyone mm-hmm. at yep. every turn. Absolutely. Um, so, on the same note, who would be your overall MVP? Violet. I don't think there's another answer. I mean, I think there's other good characters, but I don't think there's another answer. I think I would choose Vivian. That's fair. I mean, that's the only other person you could pick, but. And I think it's because while I do love Violet, I think she has kind of a mixed bag and it's because she's a teenager. It's not because she's a bad person. Um, She makes bad decisions because she's a teenager, but Vivian, like beginning to end always is trying to do the best for everyone around her. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes she wants to protect Yes and no. I think Vivian in the first two or three episodes made some of the dumbest decisions you could well, make. She was dumb. Yeah. Yeah. But and like, I think when they when the kidnappers broke into the house, she did everything she could in her power to protect Violet. Oh, Whenever, for sure. like, oh no, she's a great mother. I just think she's yeah. a stupid woman. And I, I think she's yeah. This, I think she's the same way. The same way I think that Ben is a great father and a shitty person. Like you can yeah. be both. Right. Yes, I agree. Um, hundred percent. I just, I like, and I like the growth I see in Vivian throughout because, like, That's fair. she does. Well, yes, starts out very dumb, very naive, and just like very single-minded. But throughout, she kind of like builds, like, she builds her relationship with Moira, and she knows that, like, she's stuck here forever. I'm stuck here forever, and like, she needs a purpose, and this is now her purpose is to help with this yeah. baby, and like, we're gonna protect this house and. I'm never going to give up on Violet. Like, Violet's my firstborn, and she's always going to be my child and my, you know, my baby, and I'm always going to protect her. And, like, she just 
has the instinct to kind of make sure the pieces all go together in the end um where they need to be so i i just love her and i mean connie burton <laughs> bless her heart somebody one of the reviews i didn't pick this one obviously was like all the cast is great connie was terrible at everything she did and i was like excuse you so it's the same person probably that said janet was useless in stargate so um to be fair i will say that connie britain probably i think that while vivian had some growth and i think obviously i love connie Britton, i do think that vivian was written as one of the least dynamic characters mm -hmm. which makes it I hard agree. to stand out when you've got the craziness that is going on in some of the other characters but the fact that she was able to hold her own with the most static character of the yeah. show shows that she's a great actress yep i absolutely agree well they said she was terrible in everything she was in i was like okay well calm down in everything uh, i'm sorry yeah. have you watched friday night lights do not talk right. about tammy taylor like that <laughs> yes so i i i love connie Britton. so don't don't come at me with her um so that kind of wraps up our discussion for murder house i do want to ask you we've talked about the next season is going to be asylum yes you haven't seen it you don't no. know the storyline correct what kind of storyline do you hope they place on it like is there a traditional trope of asylum horror that you're would you that you would like it to go in a direction of um i hope that um somebody is actually a psychic vampire like alice cullen and um that <laughs> When I think of asylums, that's what I think of. That's okay, because there's there's no way for you to have a good basis to make a prediction. No. So like, I want your hopes and dreams instead. Um, so I hope we have a psychic vampire. Um, I hope that there is a really aggressive nun who is secretly a lesbian. Um I hope that um I hope that they don't touch anybody's eyeballs in any of the weird medical experience they do. I don't do eyeballs. Um, yeah, that's that's what I. Those are my my three big hopes. I'm ready to watch your reaction. <laughs> those are that. Those are like three of the most ridiculous probably unrelated to anything that could potentially happen in this show but that's where i'm at to be fair like i said know. i don't do a lot of horror so i don't really know what asylum tropes are sure that's why i'm letting you make up your own it's all right um but before we get to asylum we do have another show which will be announced next week what show we're moving on to because in the meantime we do have our horror film and we're throwing it back to a traditional film again we can't get away from them um we're gonna be covering the original exorcist movie um i have forgotten where it was at i meant to look it up again before we oh, recorded we did we wrote this on the other day we um, sure did we talked about it we looked it up to make sure we were prepared and then was it on hulu it no um no it is the it's on prime it's on prime or no it's on hbo max hbo max you're right it's on hbo max or, or 
Or Amazon Prime, I think. It says Amazon Prime Premium Subscription. Probably the Max subscription. Oh, okay. So, yeah, if you have HBO yeah. Max. Um, yeah, but I'm sure you can also, like, if you don't have Max for some reason, you probably could rent it off of um, Amazon for just a few bucks. Because it is, uh, and if you had Discovery Plus, you now have Max as well, because they've combined. So, mm. yep. So and if you have AT&T with unlimited data, you probably also have HBO Max because um, it, it's yeah. cheaper to have both than not. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're going to get ready to do The Exorcist, which I've never seen. You've never seen. Correct. But it's a classic. So I hope we are not hiding under our beds by the end of it. But we'll see. I'm a little bit nervous. So hopefully. I've got like two weeks to prepare myself to watch it, though. So it's fine. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous, too. <laughs> a little bit nervous, too. All right. Um, so that's where we'll leave you with American Horror Story. If you want to reach out about this season, if you want to reach out about your thoughts on The Exorcist, no spoilers, please feel free to email us, deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can find us on all of the social media at deathandaliens. If you want to talk about future American Horror Story movies, I'm currently, like, real deep diving into season 12. So, Feel free to reach out to me directly at cecloud13. If you'd like to talk to me about anything that does not involve American Horror Story, you can follow me at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And we'll see you for our DNA Awards on Sunday for Stargate, first three seasons, and then The Exorcist. Bye!